0: I'm a traveling man, made a lot of stops, all over the world, and in every port I Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. Uh, this is Mike Siegel. I am talking with Adam Blaker. Hey there. How's it going? Hello, Adam. All right. Young Adam, as I like to call you. <laughs> you are a uh, TV producer. Yes. We worked together at TBS Movie Extra for many years.
1: Several years, yeah. Several years. And then you left. Yes, I did.
0: On your own accord or not?
1: Um, well, you know, <laughs> somewhere between. <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs>
0: yeah, we've all been there, believe me. I will be joining you in the uh, ranks of the freelance gotcha. very soon. But um, you went to Spain. I did. You went to Spain uh, to live, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me. Cause, and I joined you out there. That's right. For, for about 10 days. Uh-huh. We did Madrid, Barcelona. You were living in Madrid. Yeah. And what was the purpose? To go to, to Spain at first, place, to, you were taking classes, right?
1: You know, I decided I've always wanted to go spend some time there. And when the job ended, I basically took four and a half months and went and rented, a, went, rented an apartment in Madrid and took advanced Spanish immersion classes in the morning. And just kind of did my thing in the afternoon and the evenings. It was great.
0: How good was your Spanish before you left? It was pretty good, though.
1: You know, it was on a scale from one to ten. I want to say it was like a 7.5.
0: Okay. 7.5. <laughs>
1: that makes sense? I don't it's got to be the 0. .5, right?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, did you find... You grew up out here, right? Yeah. In uh, Orange County. Orange County. So did you find that the Spanish you grew up with here was more Mexican-Spanish, and then you went down there? They, did they say you sound like a Mexican?
1: Absolutely. You know, I, <laughs> I, I first went to Spain in 2006. I went to Madrid for three days, and I, I didn't fall in love with it on that trip. But uh, since then, I went back several times, and every time I've gone back, that was the first thing that I always heard when I, when I attempted to speak Spanish to people was how my accent was very Mexican. And, uh, you know...
0: <laughs> hey, pu- <laughs> exactly.
1: poking fun at my accent all the time. <laughs> and uh, eventually, I started picking up their accent. And by the, you know, <laughs> on my last trip there, I kind of had it perfected. Right. Yeah. Let's start at the
0: beginning. Before we launched farther into Spain, sure. you grew up in Orange County. Yep. Did you travel a lot
1: as a kid? Um, You know, as a kid, not so much. My parents basically would take us down to Rosarito Beach a couple times a year. Uh-huh. But we, my brother and I always wanted to go to Hawaii. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as a little kid, I had a red wagon and I had some buddies. And we used to do these things called journeys where we'd sort of take <laughs> – we'd go into a new neighborhood a few blocks away. And that was sort of where the adventure started. I used to get lost. and <laughs> But um, it wasn't really until – um until i was a little older when i started traveling on my own i went and decided i went and lived in japan for a year in college in college yeah really were you studying there or were you just you just took a year off and went i did a year a year abroad
0: okay yeah study program at chibu university just outside of tokyo wow yeah well what was that like if you'd never really been outside of the country it, yeah. this is like foreign that, culture shock that right? was
1: it it was it was it was a huge culture shock. And throughout the whole year, it was a, you know, I had a real love-hate relationship with Japan, you know what I mean? Right. It was a, it was a pretty amazing year. At the beginning, I really wanted to, to, you know, to immerse myself in all things Japanese. I didn't want to hang out with any other foreign exchange students. And, <laughs> and then after a few months, I kind of got tired of that because I felt like I could never really break the barrier between myself and the Japanese people. And I ended up only hanging out with foreigners, like, in the middle. And then I kind of came full circle back towards the end and realized, wow, there's really a lot of amazing things about these people and their culture and... A lot of stuff that the United States could learn from them and wanted, I wanted to bring back with me. What did you bring back? You know... Your love of sushi. We got uh, that. <laughs> actually, I couldn't eat Japanese food for the first year after I came back. I was so tired. Oh, I imagine, yeah. But, um, you know, just, just what it's like to, to sort of care about the group more than mm-hmm. yourself. You know, when two people walk down the street in Los Angeles and they bump into each other, they both they'll both call each other an asshole. <laughs> Whereas in, in, in Tokyo, they'll both apologize. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, you know, sort of being aware of, of what the other people in the room are feeling and, and the group, the, sort of the group mentality, you know, just the, you know, the turn-taking thing. You know, people standing in line single file to get on the train or for anything. You know, they're not just bunching around trying to get in front of everybody else. It's very... You know, we're all in this together kind of mentality.
0: I always found that when I was there that, you know, I just imagine walking through Tokyo. I remember being in the, in the subway and seeing these little paper advertisements that were hanging on the roof of the subway, yeah. you know, in the car. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking of how, like, back home, like in New York or something like that, those things would have been ripped down right. in about five minutes. Yeah. These things were up there the whole time. Mm-hmm. They say, there were signs that say no loud talking or radio playing and, the, and everybody listens. Yep. There's little smoking stations on the sidewalks and people stand by those things and smoke and put their ashes out in those things. I was like, Man, they they follow the rules here. Or did
1: you see the little portable ashtrays people carry around with them? These little they look like kind of lipstick or little no. they look like little like zippo lighters, but they're actually ashtrays. So people can put their own cigarette butts out in their own ashtrays oh, and carry you know, instead of just dumping on <laughs> the street. It's very you know, I just I, I really admired that. You know, people it's so organized. There's such a little space so you have to be you know, it's almost like when you have Less storage in your apartment, you're mm-hmm. sort of have, you're forced to be more organized with the way you fold and put stuff away. I think that's just how it is in Tokyo. It's there's so much less space. So you know, pe- people are walking north, they walk on the right side of the street. They're walking <laughs> south, they walk on the left side of the street. It just it works.
0: I have said that before on this show and other people that like the hardest part about Japan. I went there solo, and you know they're not very. Right. open to new people. You know, it's it, they're not someone to come up to you and go, "Hey, where are you from?" That's a very American thing to do, you know. They kind of yeah. stick to themselves. And even though they have to learn English, they they don't use it that much right. or they're embarrassed about they apologize about using it. Yeah. "Oh, I'm so sorry, my English is not good." Like, yeah. No, it's fine. Trust mm-hmm. me. Help me out. <laughs> so uh, did you find as a foreigner, did did you run into a lot
1: of that? Well, you know, being in a, in a in a university, you know, in an exchange program basically, I found that me being a foreigner was always a topic. People mm-hmm. wanted to hang out with me because I was a foreigner or they have wanted nothing to do with me because <laughs> I was a foreigner. And just strangers on the street. I mean, people, not, old women, wouldn't want to sit next to me sometimes on the on the subway. Because really? I was a foreigner. They were just, you know, I mean, I asked my Japanese friends about that and they're like, you know, maybe they just were afraid that you might try to speak to them and they wouldn't know how to answer you in English. <laughs> or, um, you know, it was just, it was always an issue. And, you know, I, like I said in the beginning, I really wanted to... I really wanted to just be surrounded by all things Japanese and all people, and, and I just found there was this sort of impermeable wall between myself and getting to know them on a deeper level. It might have been, a, a, some of it was the language, mm-hmm. but I think there's just sort of this, you know, I think a lot of times as Americans we're sort of, we get more into our emotions than maybe they would. So right. I found that was like, you know, why can't I break this barrier because like, <laughs> I'm a foreigner? You know, there was just, there was a lot of that, you know. Did you ever pick up the language? I mean, were you good with it? Yeah, I was pretty good with it by the end. Yeah, and some, every once in a while, when I when I run into some some Japanese people here in Los Angeles or traveling, you know, it's, I'm surprised how much of it comes back.
0: That's got to be value. That's got to be valuable uh, work-wise, isn't it? I mean,
1: mm, I think Spanish is a little bit, more of well, yeah, a now. better seller. Yeah, here <laughs> especially in uh, California. In California, absolutely. God,
0: I'm kicking myself for not knowing it better. You know, I say that every time I see you. I go, man. I, I got to learn it. We were in Spain, God, you saved me
1: so many times. That was fun. I, you know, I, I love Spain, man.
0: <laughs> so when well, you went to Japan, have you been back since?
1: Yeah, I went back twice to visit. Okay, yeah.
0: And then, has it changed over the years? As you've gotten older, do you see it in a different way? Yeah,
1: you know, I haven't been. I went twice the first year after I left. Okay, I haven't been in a while, so.
0: And you're yeah. a young man, so you know you're only twenty two <laughs> people, as far as people know out there, All right? <laughs> so you went there you came back here to work you worked mm-hmm. in television mm-hmm. how long were you at extra seven years seven years at extra so you got all the gossip out of your system
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah Lindsay's crotch all of it <laughs> yeah. kim Kartrashian. yeah
0: got my fix so yeah. other than spain did where else did you have you gone
1: you know um there was a few years when I was rolling in the good money when we were working on several projects that I basically was on a plane every chance I got. And you were
0: um, that guy. I mean, they used to tease me about yeah. you know I would leave all the time, but you you probably went more than I did.
1: Yeah, I know. I was that guy too. Yeah. If you had a free week, you were gone. <laughs> you were gone. I was gone. You know, I went. I mean, I went to Buenos Aires. I went to Punta del Este, Uruguay. Um, I spent. You know, I was. I bounced around Europe, um, Switzerland, Sweden, uh, Finland. Germany, France, England, wow, uh, and of course all over Spain. Um, went to Nicaragua, where my mother's from. Really? Yeah. And uh, What was that like? There. I heard it's pretty cool. Yeah, Nicaragua is pretty cool, actually. You know, the, the natural beauty of Nicaragua is unlike a lot of other places I've been. Of course, the poverty in yeah, the larger cities like Managua is sometimes overwhelming and um, affects, affected me a lot at first, and then... Eventually, you know, you kind of. I had family there that were able. They were able to show me around a lot of places that I probably wouldn't have gone if I was just a tourist, and that made it uh, really, really mm-hmm. exciting for me to sort of, you know, see how they lived down there. My family, most of my family down there is pretty upper middle class, so, you know, I mean, we go from behind the gates of a compound, you know, in an SUV with tinted windows to the next compound. So we, you know, we didn't have to necessarily mixed with a lot of the stuff that was going on in the city in Managua. You know, there's just so much poverty and kids running around bare feet on the streets and stuff. I mean, you know, it's yeah. kind of like when you go to, you know, Thailand. Anywhere. Or, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I've, it, it does get overwhelming. And, you know, India was probably the worst I'd ever seen. Yeah. I have um, been there. I saw yeah. some uh, some pretty bad stuff in, in Cambodia and South Africa. But, you know, any of those. Yeah. You know, Cuba was poor.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's so it's, yeah. How do you react to it? Now, having seen so much, I mean, do you let it bother you or do you, do
1: you know you about come home it, in a different frame of mind? I mean, it, it definitely helps me put things into perspective. Right. You know, when I think I might be struggling, you know, in between gigs or whatever <laughs> and trying to make things work out, you know, it's definitely, I know it's definitely not that bad. And I know it's harder, you know, when you go to places like that, you see, you see people here, of course, homeless people in the United States all the time. It's, I think it hits a little bit deeper in places like that where there just isn't the money in the economy, mm-hmm. you know, and... And, uh, you know, it's it's rough at first. Well, I wanted
0: to ask you, and then I, if I'm speaking out of turn here, let me know. Sure. But um, anybody who knows you knows that uh, you are a man, how should I say? <laughs> you enjoy the company of other men. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, has being gay in these other countries, have you ever run into any kind of uh, discrimination or fear about that? You know, I'm trying to think, and I... I don't think so. Are there any places you go? Wow, well, we got to be on our on our guard here. I got to watch myself or anything like that.
1: Well, You know, I did a, I did a, a road trip in the American South from uh, <laughs> okay. from Birmingham, Alabama, down to New Orleans, and mm-hmm. uh, there were some small towns <laughs> yeah. we stopped through there. Which, you know, I felt a little okay. You know, we got to. Were you with another guy? I was with um, uh, another gay guy and a lesbian, and okay. a straight girlfriend from New York. So, I mean, we might as well have been four gay people yeah. like, cruising down in this. Uh, Honda Civic down from... <laughs> they're like the circuses in town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, we, just, we didn't fit in. We were like fish out of water before we mm-hmm. stopped,
0: so... Yeah. Well, like, when you walk into that place, I mean, pick one, like a restaurant or something like that. I mean, do you feel the eyes on you, or do you just know? Do you think some of it's in your head, and are you just projecting? You know, and-
1: I, um, I, I definitely entertain that. You know, how much of it is in my head, and how much of it's really going on. I remember we stopped in a place called Bessemer, mm-hmm. just outside of Birmingham, and we had dinner, and it was a very a real family sort of old school kind of country place. And the four of us walked in. You know, we're, we're you know we're a little bit thinner than everybody, and a little <laughs> yeah. bit more. Um, yeah, it is America. <laughs> and we're a bit about two hundred pounds thinner than yeah. everyone. Two hundred pounds thinner than everybody, <laughs> and a little bit more. Um, I think just a little more styled, yeah, stylized. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think so. I mean, it probably had more to do with just looking different than like who are these you know homosexuals here mm-hmm. in the restaurant. So I mean,
0: but you'd find though what I was always amazed at. Like I would play these towns on the road, you know, and doing comedy, and no matter if you talk to the staff, there was always a gay bar somewhere around town, and you could be in places you wouldn't imagine. They go, oh yeah, there's one out. uh, You got to drive this way. There's no sign, of course. Yeah. There's no. They got to keep a really low profile. But there's one. There's one somewhere. Yeah, we found one in Birmingham. Yeah.
1: See, (laughs) a couple actually. We went bar hopping in Birmingham.
0: But you lived in Atlanta for the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I've just spent a year in Atlanta working for which CNN. Is,
0: which is a very gay city, yeah. apparently.
1: Yeah. Elton John has a house there, even. He does. I saw it. <laughs>
0: is that like the comfort zone for if you grow up gay in the South? It's like if you're going to stay in the South, you pretty much got to go to Atlanta.
1: That's exactly right. You know, Atlanta's, mm-hmm. they, they, I think Advocate named it either one of the top four or, or the gayest city in America per capita or something like that. Oh, wow. Po- population wise. But, uh, yeah, it's um it's a pretty gay it's a pretty gay city. There's a lot of gay people live there, I think, because, you know, apart from New Orleans, Atlanta's pretty much the progressive hub of the whole region of the South. Okay. So a lot of people a lot of a lot of gay guys and men and women that I met there were from other small towns in the South that had, you know, right, right. made their home Atlanta because they just felt a lot more welcomed there. And it's relative, of course. I mean it's I, I didn't find it quite as welcoming to gay people as Los Angeles, New York, or San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But, you know, relatively speaking, as far as the South, the American South goes, yeah, absolutely gay.
0: What about Europe as opposed to, like, say, Spain opposed to uh, Germany or something like that? I mean, is one a little more friendly than the other in terms of that aspect? I I assume Amsterdam is pretty wide open. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, as far as that goes, as far as in Europe, I felt like everywhere I went was extremely... Gay-friendly. Because you always wonder because, especially Spain and Italy, mm-hmm.
0: they're very Catholic, you know, so you wonder about that.
1: Well, you know, gay marriage is illegal in Spain, I think, since 2004. Oh, really? Or maybe maybe it was 2006. But it's kind of, it seems like a non-issue. What I do, okay, this is the thing. As far as Europe goes, it is similar to the United States in the sense that, like, you know, when you're in big cosmopolitan city centers, such as Madrid, right.
0: Paris, and you get out in the country, it's a different... fine. Yeah, yeah, when
1: you go out into the small smaller towns people, you know, you turn heads there, even in Europe. Right, right, So that's, right. that's sort of, the, that's what I noticed. It's not so much, you know, European and United American thing. It's more like a city versus country side type thing. I would
0: imagine the the only places you would really, I don't know, come into any kind of worry about that would, might be Africa. Yeah. You know, you hear stories about that, and, and it's just a very tribal thing and, you know, ignorance in terms of yeah. what it, you know, it's, it could be a dangerous, and any course, Muslim country, I guess. (laughs) You're probably not going to be partying in Saudi Arabia anytime soon.
1: (laughs) No, maybe you are. I don't know. My best girlfriend who lives in New York, she's Pakistani. We've always talked about taking a trip to uh, Islamabad together at some point. Because, isn't it, some of those countries, it's illegal? Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's illegal. And I think when I was in Spain, we were talking about going to uh, Morocco, to Tangier for a minute. And Mm -hmm. I heard, you know. I mean, I heard s- such different things about it. I heard, you know, it's not a problem. I also heard, hey, you know what? Be careful there if you're gay. But I think I just, you know, I, it depends. But yeah, Africa on the whole is generally not super gay friendly from yeah. what I heard. And a lot of stories we covered on uh, CNN about, you know, in Uganda and different places like that where they were, uh, you know, being persecuted for...
0: But you've never been to a place where you look into the guidebook and they say, hey, don't, you know, hold hands in public or show any kind of, you know, be just be careful or... No. Stuff like that. Mm mm. Well it's
1: good. Yeah. It's a step up, huh? I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> I mean everywhere, even you know, everywhere actually that I've been. I just I never felt like it was an issue, believe it or not. Well you dragged me to a couple clubs in Madrid. <laughs> yes, I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the place in Madrid we went that had the the little
1: it was like a tunnel underneath the, It was called Why Not. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> that was that was it. Great music. <laughs> Great music. You know, the the funny thing about why not is it's kinda like it's the bar that foreigners and everybody kind of goes to when they first get to mm-hmm. when they first get to Madrid, the gay area of Madrid. Well, first of all, it never closes. I mean, yeah. it's open till what six in the morning or something like that, or until the last person's in there drinking. Yeah, yeah, pre- so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it depends. Yeah, so I
0: think the the light was coming up when we left. A couple of times.
1: Not surprising. Yes. Like,
0: yeah. I was manhandled in that place. Yes, whatever. you
1: were. I remember I was so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how can this guy not know? You're sitting there with a, you know, a female friend. You're right. obviously not, uh, you know. And there's a lot of straight people that go there, but for some reason. I'll take it just, as a compliment. You're just so irresistible, I guess. <laughs> that's, 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 what, that's what it really comes down to, Mike. <laughs> you're
0: irresistible. <laughs> you were a great uh, tour guide for Spain, Heck. actually. We went to, uh, Then we went to Barcelona for a few days, saw yeah. some of your friends there. Yeah, in Barcelona, although being really touristy, there's a reason it's touristy. It's a pretty mm-hmm. amazing place. Yeah, your thoughts between the Madrid Barcelona, you know, conflict.
1: I, I often sort of <laughs> I often compare them to Los Angeles versus San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Barcelona being more like San Francisco. I mean, there's just this, this amazing, incredible architecture. You know, all the Gaudi stuff, and yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's right there along the ocean, and there's hills and um. It's so concentrated, you know, and um you know, Madrid the only you know, not being by the beach, although Los Angeles is near a beach, but Madrid's a lot more spread out and there's just it's a lot it's it's different. You know. <laughs> um I prefer Madrid actually. You know, I think the international flair of Barcelona is, is is great, but I think you know, I just I think I feel like I'm more in Spain when I'm in Madrid. It also has to do with the Catalan thing. Yeah. I mean I learning, you know, wanting to go to Spain to also, to have the reason of learning Spanish, I felt like it was easier to sort of just be surrounded by only Spanish in Madrid, whereas yeah. in Barcelona, you're surrounded by Catalan, which sort of looks like a French-Spanish hybrid. Yes, and it's so confusing. confusing.
0: <laughs> yes, it's just close enough to mess you up. Yeah. You know, just like the words are really similar, but then they're not. And then, yeah. yeah. I have a great, great time in Barcelona. Yeah. I have a wonderful
1: <laughs> time there. But, yeah, and, and I think that's what's, what's great about it is the cosmopolitan atmosphere about it. But I think Madrid is a little bit more spanish did you did you ever get down into
0: southern Spain
1: in the Costa
0: was it Costa del Sol?
1: You know, I went to um, in Andalusia. I've been to Sevilla, Sevilla, and and Cadiz mm-hmm. or Cadiz, Cadiz, and uh, some little town called Bologna down there, where there's these Roman ruins along the, the ocean. It's it's breathtaking. Actually. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's kind of off the map. I mean, I, we just my girlfriend Amber and I rented a car in Sevilla and drove down to the coast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ended up there with these Roman ruins on the beach It was, it was so pretty crazy How far away from Madrid is that? Like if I want to go,
0: you know, say if you're in Madrid and I want to take a trip
1: You know, I know it's a couple hours on the train to Seville Okay And then it was a couple hours in the car from Seville to the coast What's the party
0: town up north? Is it San Sebastian? San
1: Sebastian, yeah Have you been there? I have, that's Next time I go to Spain, I'm supposed to go there with my friend Arancha whose family's from the Basque country. I know uh, Arantxa, lovely lady. She is a lovely lady. She's great. Did
0: you ever been to like Mallorca or Menorca or any of those? No, haven't been Ibiza?
1: to Ibiza Ibiza, yes. I yeah. had a wonderful time on Ibiza, yeah.
0: Is it as, as crazy as they say?
1: Well, you know, my friend Shane, who was visiting me in Madrid, we had partied so much for gay pride in Madrid uh-huh. that our we went to Ibiza with the with the uh, intention of relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't partake in all of the crazy parties, which, of course, were happening every night. Yeah. But we mostly went m- more for the beach, just to kind of roam around the cities, ride around on the, on the scooter, <laughs> and just to sort of lounge by the hotel pool. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot to bring this up. You uh, you are also sober. Yes. Um, so
0: are there countries where that is a much harder thing to be? <laughs> Have you found that we're like, boy, oh, this, this is kind of a place built for drinking, and I'm not...
1: Well, you know, Europe, it, Europe in general is... It, it's very booze-friendly. It's a very booze-friendly party place. But mm-hmm. I found, honestly, that I had no problems telling people that I'm just not drinking. I found like, uh, not at all, like, no one ever harassed me about that. Mm-hmm. I take that back. When I was in um, <laughs> Stockholm... okay. I uh, I was literally harassed the entire night by these by these guys and girls in this bar called Gay as Hell in the heart of Stockholm with my friend Shane. Gay as Hell. It was very hard for some reason not to to, to tell people that I didn't drink. Mm-hmm. It was no one you know, all night. It was like okay, I, I had to re- keep repeating myself. <laughs> I'm not drinking tonight. I'm not drinking tonight. And it was that was the one time actually out of all my European trips where it was wow like this is really hard to uh <laughs> to, to get this through to these people you know but for Those me are long
0: I, winters man they got to yeah. get through them somehow I, mean, I think that's what it must have been plus you know the
1: sun never really goes down in the summertime so people get a little delirious <laughs> right anyway but, but yeah i would never been to stockholm you know what what were your thoughts stockholm became one of my favorite spots that i've been to really you know, buenos aires madrid and stockholm what what was it about stockholm that you liked? You know, I was there for four days. The weather was beautiful the entire time. Blue skies. Are we talking July, August, something? Beginning of July. Okay. Yeah, and um, and the people there were were beautiful. First yeah. of all, men and women, just beautiful, blonde. Isn't it tall. crazy when you go to Sweden? You look around and like, what is in the water here? <laughs> I know my friend Shane. We saw this one frumpy, like this sort of frumpy brunette off the, at the bus stop <laughs> where we were waiting for our shuttle. And Shane goes, he looks at her and he goes. Man, it must suck to be Swedish and not absolutely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, Maybe it's better. Maybe you're like a novelty. You know, <laughs> right? Like, hey. She probably gets laid better than more than anybody. <laughs> but, um, no, you know, the people were beautiful and just friendly from the bus. You know, bus drivers is a good gauge of a you know right. of, of, a, of a society. And when the bus drivers are extremely friendly and bending over backwards to get you where you need to be, <laughs> you know, you're in a special place. Everybody, the two, you know in the malls just in the you know the the vendors everybody was so friendly it would would offer any question or answer any question that you that you had um the weather was beautiful like i said and and i'm also a runner i enjoy running so Mm. stockholm's made up of a series of these islands and there's these beautiful runs you can do around the perimeters of these islands and crossing these bridges and and um yeah just it's such a clean place yeah. and green and the the blue sky I, of course, most of the year it's not like that yeah I mean, you go back in February you might have yeah. a different but. different
0: take really expensive though
1: right you know i didn't that didn't particularly strike me as being you know more expensive than Whenever you, I'm in London. It's like that's yeah. London's you know, crazy. it's Like wow. Okay, I need to cut my portions in half, or just not eat today, <laughs> yeah. so I can uh, afford this trip. But You're lucky you don't drink. Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess the taxes. I remember the taxes
0: on alcohol in Sweden being really high. Like they would hmm. take the ferry over to Denmark, and I guess the taxes on booze were less. So they're coming back with these bottles of of booze and vodka. And all this other stuff to take back to, to Sweden because the, the taxes were so high. I guess that would make on, sense on the alcohol and certain things. Yeah. But did you find being an American did that help you? Uh, did people find that more attractive than?
1: You know, honestly, since since the last election in the United States, I feel like it's it's been become in vogue again to be um, American traveling abroad in Europe.
0: It has been uh, anywhere. I mean, it's. Yeah. it's well,
1: The last couple of years of the of Bush were tough around the world. You know? I, had a, I had to buy a cover for my passport just so I wouldn't get dirty looks. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: swear I did. You did and I you put a s- Canadian flag on it, or you? I, n- it I, n- on I it? never,
1: I never quite did that, but I just remember being in a bar one time in Amsterdam, and I met this guy, this really good looking guy, and we started oh. chatting it up, and he asked me where I was from, and. And I told him I was from the United States, and he he just was like, "Yeah, I'm not really into Americans." Mm-hmm. And you know, and I, that was, I was like, "Wow, I, okay, I understand." But since the election <laughs> in 2010, it's you know I found that I'm you know it's it's great to be an American abroad. Mm-hmm. You know, so you never had
0: any. I mean, I always say to people that you, you're going to find anti-American sentiment anywhere you go, but uh, some years is definitely worse <laughs> than others. Yeah. Like in Buenos Aires, I have that nice collage of uh, anti-bush graffiti that right. I took all around the city. I mean, some of them were just, you know, but there was everywhere. It yeah. was everywhere. Yeah. But uh, you never had any
1: incidences in that or any kind of scary things? Other than that, no, no nothing scary. Other than that one incident in the bar, mm-hmm. that's, that's the biggest one that's ever, that stands out for me.
0: How about any kind of like weird, uh, any uh, traffic mishaps or uh, traveling mishaps, uh, wrong flights, border crossings? arrests anything
1: um yeah there's a lot of those mike i mean i don't know how many, <laughs> the only you want to go into but yeah uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many i've missed several flights um <laughs> you know when have was- you ever lost your bags <laughs> never lost my bags but um i missed several flights you know one time i was in, when i was in thailand i bought this this um thai airways sort of um Package deal right, you know, from like Tokyo or something. Yeah. Tokyo to Bangkok, Bangkok to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Yeah, Hanoi back to Bangkok, and then Bangkok back to Tokyo. And my friend Lavinia and I were, of course, rushing late to the airport. I'm always. I, I seem to be always rushing to the airport. <laughs> we're rushing to the airport. We check in. We're running down the aisle. They're paging us. They're paging us. Right, we look to get on the flight. We look up, and instead of going, we're in, we're in Bangkok. Instead of going to Ho Chi Minh City, we're going back to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And we're like, wait, this isn't the right flight. We're supposed to go into Vietnam. And all of a sudden, everyone gets on their walkie talkies. This is crazy. We're on the wrong flight. They they roll up in this car. They get my friend Lavinia and I. We they roll us through the airport, roll us out to the tarmac <laughs> to this flight that's about to take off, and like push the stairs up and get us on this flight. <laughs> um, in Nicaragua, I. I had my schedule, my flight was, I thought it was two hours later, and it was two hours earlier, and I was sitting there having d- lunch with my aunt and uncle and my cousins, and she's like, are you sure your flight's at, at five o'clock and not three o'clock? And I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, let me call just in case, because she knew there was only one flight out on American yeah. Airlines out a day. Turns out it was at three o'clock, and you know <laughs> it was one o'clock, one yeah. thirty. and- um, Pay the bill, we're going. You know, ran home, threw everything in the suitcase, <laughs> rushed to the airport, missed the flight. Oh. So I had to call into work and yeah, I'm not gonna make it into work. I missed my <laughs> flight, I'm in Nicaragua, you know. Um, and in Amsterdam one time I I had this taxi this taxi uh cab driver was trying to overcharge my friend and I and you know, I kinda told him in so many words to mm-hmm. eat shit and I actually <laughs> jumped out of the cab and he ran over my foot. No. Yeah. Really? And the Japanese guy that I was with Stopped the car and paid the guy. <laughs> so I was like, so my, my heroics of jumping out of the cab and trying to yeah. avoid the, the guy overcharging us you know, and getting my foot run over. I had to limp at this wedding we were <laughs> the next day the whole day. Was,
0: this is what I always did, you know, I admire you for in, in terms of this. You're a white guy that knows Spanish fluently. So I always want to be that guy. Uh, in a restaurant or something, or somewhere else, to hear them talking about me, and they think I don't understand. <laughs> have you ever had one of those?
1: You know, I always want to have those. Yes! And, I'm, you know, it's only happened a couple of times here in L.A., with, uh, you know, but never never abroad. No. What happened here? It was just, you know, like, waitresses were talking about my eyes being pretty. Oh, <laughs> so they're good things. Yeah, good things. Never anything bad. Nobody's ever oh, this asshole this doesn't asshole. tip. No, no. I haven't heard that. No, <laughs> yeah. but I remember I was kind of I was like, oh, thank you. And they were kind of embarrassed that they.
0: When you know. say you were in Spain or something, do they just assume you don't know it when you get in? Or I mean, has your accent gotten good enough that they think you're local? Well, you know how it is in Spain. I mean, they, Spanish people
1: look like you and me. So no, no, I know. But
0: yeah. I mean, do they think you? Uh, I mean, how's your accent in terms of? Do they know you're not from there? Can you can you fake it? I can fake it enough. Yeah. Is there a certain Madrid accent as opposed
1: to like a Sevilla accent? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is actually. Uh, Sevilla, they speak a little bit more. um, They're a little they're a little more loose lipped down Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, they speak a little faster. They kind of you know they leave some you know consonants out and syllables and things like that. Because Antonio Banderas, I think, is from Sevilla. Is he? He's from south down
0: there, somewhere Mm -hmm. around there. Andalusia somewhere. What are the? What's the other big town down there? Uh, it's, I uh, not know. Anyway, who cares where he's from? <laughs> I don't from? know if he was from down there. I think he's from down south, he said. Oh. And what about the, what is their opinion of the Mexican Spanish? Hmm. Like the accent and the words they use? Well,
1: you know, they have a term for people from South America and or Mexico and Spain. It's called Sudaca. And it's basically like... You know a janky south american right you know it's like that, that neighborhood's full of suit i mean it's not a very nice thing to say but um i you know S- spain as a country actually really likes mexico and yeah mexican artists and music mm-hmm. you know is very popular in spain but um you know i think as far as like the spanish spanish you know they're very they're very proud of their accent yes and uh you know I think they, they might think that it sounds better than other types of Spanish, <laughs> especially Argentinian Spanish. It seems like they always kind of poke a lot of fun at Arge, the way Argentinian That was speak.
0: hard. I went down there, and even in my limited—you know, I got by in Spain and Mexico and other places, but Argentina, wow. I didn't I understand a word they were saying.
1: See, I'm like a chameleon. Like, after I'm there for, like, a week or so, I start <laughs> to sound like them. I remember I met this Peruvian, Peruvian lady on the flight from <laughs> Buenos Aires to Lima before I connected to L.A., and I, we were talking about going to the beach, and I said, you know, instead of playa, I started saying, vamos a la playa, fuimos a yeah. la playa, <laughs> con pesos <laughs> curajos. And she's like, oh, my God, you start to sound just like those right. Argentines. <laughs> like, you know, it just kind of happens.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> screwed me up because the two L sound is, is a J, not a Y sound. It's kind of sexy, though, right? Poggio. A little sexy. Caje. Yo kind of
1: sexy. It sounds a little
0: It uh, ish it Yeah, it sounded like a cross between yeah. Italian, which makes sense because there's so much so many Italian Italians, influence down yeah. there. Yeah. So, I always like to ask this, uh, like a little questionnaire. Your favorite airline?
1: You know that, I mean, price-wise? No, like experience, <laughs> the whole deal of fly, Like yeah. you say, oh, I love f- to fly them. You know, I flew Air New Zealand mm-hmm. from L.A. to Paris with a layover. Am I saying? I'm sorry, not Air New, Z- Air New Zealand. I did fly Air New Zealand, but my favorite airline is actually Air Iceland. Iceland Air. Really? I flew from, from L.A. to Paris... And um, with a layover in Reykjavik, Iceland. What is that like? Did you stop or yeah, did you just go? You know, the thing is because there was – I'm sorry. We flew from, New- from JFK to Paris with a layover in Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge storm in JFK which put us back two hours. So we missed the connection from Reykjavik to Paris. So we had to stay half a day, you know, like 18 hours or 16 hours in uh, Reykjavik. And um, we – my friend Amber and I decided to leave the airport. And we went. We jumped in a in a on a shuttle and took us out to the Blue Lagoon. Have you heard of that? It's no. like these this giant natural hot springs. Oh, nice. And yeah, just outside of Reykjavik, and it's it's it feels like you're on another planet. You know, and people are like <laughs> mud bathing themselves and start right. exfoliating, and there's all this this crazy stuff going on, and families and women, and some people are topless, and it's just like these giant hot springs. I mean, it's I've never seen any sort of fake water park as amazing as this place. Yeah, and um. That was wonderful, but uh, and the weather was warm. You know, it was also in June or July. But Air Iceland, you know, it's it's just like it kind of reminds me of what Pan Am must have been like back in the back in the right know, like,
0: beautiful stewardesses and they, yeah. you know you get your food
1: too and beautiful. You know, I'm just all, I'm yeah. like, are you guys real? Like men and <laughs> these beautiful men and women, like flight <laughs> attendants, just perfect bodies, perfect skin. You know, yeah. their their hats were tipped over to the side of their head. Perfect. You know, and, it was just like wow. I mean, they just don't make them like that anymore. You know, a lot of sometimes you go on American carriers and oh my god, now all, you know it's so seniority based. Especially flying international, they've been you Ooh. know they've been with the airlines for forty years. So. The last
0: one I had, I think on United. I don't think there was a flight attendant under fifty. Yeah. At all. And, you know, the, hey, glad they're working, right? But yeah, you know. God bless them. Yeah, they, the <laughs> one I knew a girl that uh, was a flight attendant, you know, like ten years ago. And she said, I mean, yeah, they did let go people by seniority, but the, the ones who were young enough that could still do something else, you had to do something else because the, they just cut the yeah. benefits and everything else so badly that all that's left are the ones who really, they're lifers, you know, <laughs> you can't yeah. do anything else. Yeah. So your least favorite airline?
1: You know, um, my least favorite airline was, I have to say, Air India. Mm. I flew Air India on another trip to Thailand from Tokyo when I was living there and the plane was dirty and the flight attendants were shady and they were smoking, <laughs> smoking on yeah. the plane in this little, like this little galley area. The flight like, I, I was work? looking for the restroom. I pulled back the curtain and they were all sitting on the ground smoking. <laughs> and, um, and then mid flight, the plane took like a, like a 30 second nosedive. dive. Oh no. And luggage was flying, people were screaming, like my heart was jumping out of my chest. Like it was probably the scariest airline moment I'd ever had. And that was Air India. Air India. Good. Good to know. <laughs> Your favorite city for food. Madrid. Really? And you know, you'll hear a lot of times people just don't catch on to the food in Spain, you know, like you don't there's a lot of bad food in Spain. Yeah. But fortunately because I've and so tapped into, uh, you know, with with the locals that I've been running around with every time I go there, They're, they take me to like the best, best, best price wise, best tasting restaurants of Spanish food from all over Spain. You're not just, you know, central Spanish food, but you know, yeah. there's paella and there's you know, northern Spain and uh, food from everywhere. But you know, I mean, I just love I love the food in Spain in Madrid. Yeah, your least favorite country you've been to for food. Like, you were going, oh, I couldn't eat anything there. Hate it. Hmm. You know, I'm pretty adventurous food-wise, but I found – I always had a hard time finding a good meal in, in London, in London, England. Really? Yeah. And there's this one place that I – this one diner that I went to, but it was really kind of like the kind of diner you'd find in L.A. You know, it had like this great breakfast, served all day, right. and and it was delicious, especially because I was craving pancakes because I hadn't <laughs> had any in a while, but – other than that, I mean, every time I had a meal in London, I always just felt like I paid too much for something that just really wasn't that good. Right, right. you got to go Indian yeah. when have you're had in London. Have that
0: experience? Oh, London. Well, London is, is a lot better now than it used to be. Yeah. And it's a very international city, so you can get anything there. But again, you got to have a, a stable of friends to... Take you out to the places that, you know, it's a good deal. Yeah. But, I uh, it's, I mean, it's got to exist. Everything seems to exist in that city, but. Yeah. I, I usually just, stick with Indian food when I'm in London.
1: Yeah. I think some, that's a good plan. There's some
0: great Indian food in London. Your, let's see, your favorite city for nightlife?
1: Has to be Madrid. You're, you're going to say Madrid again. <laughs> <you're> gonna, okay. <laughs> you know, I just, I love, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass when you're, when you have to be up in the morning, when you're living in, you know, I lived in a couple different apartments in Madrid, and one of the streets was extremely noisy. Yeah. And it was just hard to, you know. But um, the nightlife there, you know, I mean, it gets started late. You get out late, and there's <laughs> just it's every flavor you want. You know, there's everything going on there. I, I really like that about it. Are they still doing the siestas? Do they still have them? I heard they're on their way out. It seems like they're on their way out, yeah, a lot. You know, a lot of the, the bigger stores like El Corte Inglés and... And uh, sort of the bigger department stores will not close in the middle of the day. A lot of the mom and pop shops will still close in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. for a couple hours. You know, in my little routine, I would go to class in the morning and then I'd get out around noon, go for a run in the park, which I love that big park, the Retiro in the middle of Madrid. And then I'd uh, go to the gym, go home, make myself lunch, and then close the windows and Mm -hmm. take a nap from like (laughs) 2 to 4. And I'd get up like around 4.30 and go out and have the night. So yeah, I, I got I, I got the whole siesta thing by the <laughs> after spending a few months there. It was like okay, this makes sense now because the days are so long. It's so warm and in the summertime. It's yeah. like you, you, you kind of gotta stay out of the the outside hot yeah middle the hottest summer. part of the day. There's, there's a reason yeah. it was created. You know, and it's, it's not, too hot and everything's not climatized like it is here. So yes. you know, it's really you really gotta find some refuge from two to four in the afternoon. You know? I
0: remember when Arancha and her friend were here. Visiting and going through America, they were saying everywhere we go, they were freezing. You yeah. know, because of the air conditioning. Yeah. You know, you don't realize how much it's blasting all the time I here. I know.
1: I know. After spending a few months there, I, I absolutely agree with them because I'm like everything. And Atlanta's the worst. But oh yeah, Atlanta. Everything's so hyperclimatized. And I'm bringing a jacket in the middle of the summer. I'm bringing a jacket <laughs> with me to go to the movies because it's so cold.
0: Yeah. And plus, they, you know, when you weigh 350 pounds, you need a lot of AC. <laughs>
1: Maybe that might have something to do it with it, It does have a little actually, to do with it, yeah.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> so I guess this depends on your personal preference. Sure. So your favorite country for, in your case, would be men. Hmm. You can go visually or, you know, Spain, I know you know more people, but... yeah. Is there a certain place you go to and like, oh man?
1: Everybody's just gorgeous. There were some pretty hot guys in, in London, actually. Really? Of all types. Black <laughs> guys, white guys, you know, Spanish guys. I had a you know, there's some pretty some pretty sexy sexy men in London. And it, yeah. that's a very I mean nightlife. Yeah. There's gotta be a lot
0: of clubs there. The only problem with the pubs, if you don't drink, that that would be a harder place for you, I would think. I mean, how do you not drink in England? I, I haven't figured that out. Yet.
1: I know, apparently, they, they're big drinkers over there. Oh
0: yes, yes, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> One place you would never go back to. You ever leave there and go? You know, it's okay if I never come back to this place.
1: You know, I don't. I don't ever really need to go back to uh, to Zurich. Zurich. Mm-hmm. nobody thinks of that. Isn't it? Why it was just boring. <laughs> you know, I just it was cute. <laughs> but you know, what I mean, I'm not, I'm not dying to go back there. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it, the, you know, they have high standards of living, and they have great public transportation, and you know, it's a very clean capital. But I just, you know, I, I did a couple of days there, and I was like, all right, yeah, we're done. You know, we've seen the Swiss, <laughs> we're okay other parts that. of Switzerland, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but um, you know, I, I didn't get to see the Matterhorn, although I thought about it. You know, Yeah, I had, like, I had like, like you know, twelve hours, and I was going to try to jump on a train and go do it, but. But yeah, you know Zurich. I don't. I don't think I need to go back there.
0: <laughs> Your dream destination that you want to go to now, hmm. that you haven't been.
1: You know, I want to do this um, this sort of four point trip through Europe when I go back next time, and um, it's going to be uh, Vienna, Austria, because I have a really good friend there, uh, Edie. She actually met her when she was here. Redhead, tall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's um she's She's promised to show me the best of Vienna when I'm there. And um, I have another friend in Prague, in the Czech Republic, which I'd like to do, along with a a whole group of Italian girls I met in my Spanish class in Madrid, who I got along amazingly with. And they are all in Milan and Venice. Nice. And then, of course, the the Basque country in Spain. Okay. San Sebastian, yeah. So
0: when's the next big trip
1: for you? Is that it? I mean, you know, what, do you have it planned out yet? I just moved back to LA, so this, my vacation is basically just getting to know my my native Los Angeles again. So non <laughs> all non essential travel has unfortunately been put on hold for the time being. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just spent I've spent um, so many so much time traveling over the past five years that I just really need to kind of. So did put you some think
0: now that you're working at CNN? I mean, they have all these foreign bureaus. Had you considered? Taking a job at one of
1: those? <laughs> absolutely. Actually, I applied a couple <laughs> gigs in London. Um, in Madrid, they had an office there. You know, they food. have a very small bureau—basically one guy okay. and, a, and a photographer, and I think an editor. You know, there was a there was a CNN affiliate called CNN Plus in Madrid, which actually shut down. I think it ran out of money. So, but I was thinking about that absolutely for a while. I was like, you know, this will be a great way to go live and work there. Somehow, and, and, and you know, in the same in the industry that I that I know and I have experience with, but that yeah, that affiliates kind of shut down. The guy that Al Goodman's the guy that uh, runs the Madrid bureau, and I say bureau in quotes because it's really just three guys. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I, there's not much going on out there that they're going to need to bring somebody from Los Angeles to go. Right, work on right, anything. right. Yeah. How is the government of Spain? Well, it just gets really depends on who you ask. I mean, yeah, of course. You know, you all, my a lot of my Spanish friends are always complaining about the government over there. You know, they're corrupt. I mean, it's not quite as corrupt as the Italians consider their government, yes. but uh, you know, they just they don't seem to have a lot of faith in their leaders over there.
0: Well, I know the economy, the unemployment is really high. I think twenty percent, twenty percent, yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that noticeable when you walk around? You go, oh, boy, oddly there's a enough, lot of guys my, not doing anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, it's not noticeable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Madrid is such a regal city; it's such a vibrant city. Um, and it just doesn't, you know, you don't, you don't sense that, wow, like a fifth of this population is not working. You, know, you do see a lot of senior citizens. And I think that might, I don't know if that counts in that percentage or not, but there's a lot of, strikingly, you, you really notice there's a lot more older people. Yeah, it's an aging population. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with uh, a
0: lot of Europe. Yeah. And they can't, there's a problem there, they can't pay for them anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just funny. You don't see the types of homeless people there that you see here. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're talking, we only have what, like 9% unemployment? You just, and yeah, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to all types of government, you know, but. um, Spain still is pretty homogenous
0: in terms of uh, immigrants and stuff like that. They're a little more strict on that, it seems. Like they're kind of like Italy Mm -hmm. in a way that they're more, still more homogenous as opposed to France, which has a huge black population and, and that kind of thing.
1: Well, it wasn't until maybe in the past 10 years that. Spain's experienced a huge immigration boom from South America mm-hmm. and parts of Africa too, but mostly South America. You know, a lot of Ecuadorians and Colombians, Argentinians have moved to Madrid. I mean, you know, they say, I think maybe eight out of 10 newborns in Madrid's hospitals are to immigrant parents now. Wow. That's some, I mean, it's some incredible number. And I think they, I can't, my numbers might be a little off. I think that there's, there's maybe 4 million people in Madrid and, in the last ten years, one million of them—the growth—has been immigrants. Have you
0: found that anti-immigrant uh, backlash that we see so much around
1: the world and, and here? Not, not nearly as much. No, okay. I mean sometimes people will joke, like I said, that, you know, talk about the South Americans and their their neighborhoods are a little, you know, shadier. But for the most part, for the most part, generally the sense that I get from the people that I run with and all—it's multigenerational. Is that they are welcoming to these new immigrants from Central and South America. Well,
0: Welcome. they have a, a real advantage that they know the language. Yeah. That helps a lot. Yeah. You know, and language is a huge barrier. I mean, that's the problem you see here. And if, you know, if they were Canadians coming on, yeah. <laughs> coming over, yeah, that's they're true. still immigrants, but we get along. We know you the,
1: know, the way they, they live a little differently, too. You know, and I, I also know that some, so I've heard a few examples of sort of, you know, backlash in the sense that, like, you know, a, a girlfriend of mine's uh, sister has kids, and they're trying to enroll them in like a school in central Madrid. But a lot of, you know, it's based on points. Like, if you're an immigrant, like single parent with several kids, you're more likely to get a space in that school than okay. you know, a native. And so sometimes, you know, you hear a little backlash about, you know, they're, they haven't been paying taxes as long as we have, and they're here now, and they're they're right. guaranteed the same services. So I understand that a little bit, but I think that. I'm just a little more in the mindset where, you know, if we're taking care of everybody, we're taking care of as well. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm also in that camp. You know, you can edit this up. I'm in the camp where it's <laughs> nope. like, you know, I'd rather uh, pay 50% in taxes to have healthcare and education taken care of and high speed rails taking me all over the country. Yeah. That's just me. <laughs> it's a different way to live, isn't it? You know, I just, you know,
0: it's. The, yeah. When you talk to people From other countries One The two things They can't really figure out About America Even when they like it mm-hmm. You know There's a lot they like about it And there's a lot to like But yeah. Things that they can't figure out Is one Is the health care That we don't even have Like basic care for our people yeah. they, That blows them away And two Is the guns Yeah The guns is a weird thing The it's guns is That's everywhere <laughs> they, they can't believe You can just go to a pawn shop At the corner And there's just guns there Yeah You just buy them You know yeah. At a sporting goods store Or something You know Mm-hmm. That everybody can just have a handgun—that <laughs> <They don't>, <laughs> blows them away. I know. So it, those two things—it's like the guns and the healthcare. Yeah. They, man. Yeah, they you're can't right. I mean,
1: out. There's absolutely no perfect form of government, obviously. But I just, you know, I definitely, I see, I see more benefits in that. Where, you know, yeah, maybe there's people that take advantage of the system, mm-hmm. but that's going to happen no matter what. But I just, I think I'd rather live in a in a society that was that gave you that, that, had you have a little more freedom to sort of not worry about those basic necessities. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, people argue maybe that, that uh, limits, uh, you know, creativity and motivation for people to do other things. And, you know, I mean, or maybe it doesn't, you know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of working creative people in Los Angeles that are working their day jobs that are not creative, but they, you know, they have a chronic condition or whatnot. They need to have insurance. Mm-hmm. So they spend 40 hours a week doing, you know, accounting type stuff when they really could be screenwriting or, you know, creating something, you know, or yeah. so I don't know. And not living in fear of, you know, not of going <laughs> getting going and bankrupt. going broke. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know, you know, it's, this has been the political there's, chat there's, with there's, Adam there's, and Mike. There's got to be a nice hybrid of, of both yes. somewhere that exists, you know, because, yeah, you don't want a well, to tax people to death.
0: I mean, there are different, they're all different hybrids of like uh, Australia and New Zealand have their own little, hybrids of you know there's a little socialist right. part here but it's still capitalist there and you know it's just finding that balance. Exactly. But it's a little easier to find it with a population of three million rather than three hundred million. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the that's where it's tough.
1: This is true. We'll figure it out. Yeah we'll we figure know, it out. We, 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 can, we can do anything <laughs> here. You know, this is the United States of America. Anything's possible.
0: So finally, what has travel meant in your life and How do you convince people who are a little wary of travel to get out there and see things?
1: You know, there's that Mark Twain quote. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. I love that quote. Yeah, me too. You know, and um, I know for me, you know, growing up in conservative Orange County, California, you know, I had... Land of Nixon. (laughs) The land of Nixon. (laughs) I had my... Sorry, I've never been to the Nixon Library in Yorba Linda. Library, never been there. Um, <laughs> you know, I had my—I sort of had my—I had it all figured out. You know, I had—I knew how the world worked and what was best, and we did everything right. And I think you know, living living abroad, not only in Tokyo but in Madrid and spending a lot of time in Europe and South America. You know, there's there's something to be learned from everywhere. You know, and there's such rich culture around the world. There's there's amazing rich culture in the United States, and the United States is quite diverse from the American South to the Pacific Northwest to the, you know, the Northeast, you know, we have just as much rich culture just around the country. And a lot of people don't even like to travel within the United States. And that was the first thing I did to digress a little bit. I took a road trip around the United States when I was 20 years old, a five week trip all around the country with my best friend, Dennis and my 89 Volkswagen Jetta sweet. (laughs) And I wanted to see this country before I saw, it's a good way to start. You know, it was a great way to start.
0: And I think traveling, Alone doing stand-up around the country, that opened a lot of doors for me, too. I mean, I hadn't seen, I'd seen a little bit. You know, we took car trips as a kid, Mm -hmm. but just going to these little corners I never would have been to um, allowed me, gave me the courage to leave the country Mm -hmm. and leave on my own for the first time, which was, you know, scary. Right. You don't really know. So when you meet somebody and go, and they're a little wary, how do you talk them into it? How do you go, no, get out there?
1: I don't know. You know, like my, my my parents are a classic example. My mom doesn't really like to leave her zip code. You know, she yeah. doesn't like to be inconvenienced. To her, the thought of going to spend, you know, a couple of weeks in Europe with smaller beds and, you know... Out of her
0: comfort zone.
1: Just out of her comfort zone is, you know, with without her, you know, caros down the street or her Albertsons where she, you <laughs> right. know... Do they think you're nuts? They do, actually, yeah. And my brother is one. My brother loves going down to Nicaragua and Peru. He's a big surfer and he's, okay. he's going to, you know, Indonesia and... They think we're crazy, you know they just thats just not something that they're into, and you know i I spend a lot of time trying to convince people that they ought to get out and see the world, but you know I think at the end of the day they will or they won't <laughs> they will you know? or they won't you know and I think there's definite benefits to uh to seeing the world, just to see how people do things around the world, share ideas and like, we can learn from each other and I just I find that experiencing other parts of the world for me is what is what makes my life so much more. You know, I, I thrive on experiences rather than accumulating things. I accumulate experiences and to see just how people do things around the world. It's funny. A lot of times, it's not that different. You know, people. There's the same types of stuff going on around the world. Is there? You know, Charleston, South Carolina. Is there? Is in you know, Seville, Spain. But the difference is, you know, the similarities and the differences, in the comparing and the learning and the sharing. I find. Something that keeps me going, you know, makes it worth it.
0: Well, thanks, Adam. This has been fun. Hey, you
1: bet, man. I know we can, well, you know, we can do this again. <laughs> it's been great. Thanks, Mike. No problem. Yes, I'm a traveling man.